This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, you are listening to Proverbs with Daisy Maskell. It is me, Daisy. Welcome. This is a podcast all about extraordinary people and extraordinary stories. Here we will shine the spotlight on their journeys and hopefully learn something about ourselves and the way that we live our lives from their experiences too. Join me for the next half an hour as we get to know our guest. In this episode of Proverbs, I am talking to Chad Hauer, a man who has been on the FBI's wanted list for well over a decade for the alleged kidnapping of his son. Today, he is here to share his side of the story. Welcome back to Proverbs. I hope you're all doing well. In this week's episode, we are talking to Chad Hauer, a father who has been on the FBI's wanted list for a number of years now and who has been living in hiding ever since. He's with us to share his side of his story as he does so on social media as well. You may have seen some of the videos that Chad posts on his TikTok page. I'm a big, big fan of it. In hopes of one day finding justice. Chad, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode. Pretty good today. Um, I do want to say, though, I'm not hiding here. In fact, the FBI has always known where I've been and they came here in 2009 and tried to get me. So I'm not hiding. They know where I am. Fine. It's interesting your case because obviously I've done a bit of research and digging online and there's just so many conflicting reports from other what I will also say is we are sort of unaware we're keeping a certain level of sort of confidentiality as to where you are exactly is is that right Chad no I'm in the Caribbean I'm on the island called St. Kitts that's I've said that all over TikTok it's all over public documents it's in the court records and that's what makes it such a farce is it's in court documents several judges have said where I am the FBI has said where I am in emails and they're all pretending like I don't know where I am meanwhile all the documents are passed around all say exactly where I am and if they say they don't know my exact address St. Kitts is only slightly smaller than Disney World. So you could jump off a plane here and ask five people and find out where I am. That is so unbelievably frustrating. So I can imagine you obviously feel sort of publicly you're sort of being made to seem like you're this man in hiding. And as I said, like that was sort of the impression that I was under reading some of the reports online. But you're sort of saying people know where you are. It's just that the story is sort of being misconstrued. Yeah, it's all part of their plan because it's it's the same reason they put me in Interpol Red, the same reason they gave me an unpublished Interpol file because they're trying to trump me up to be this, you know, crazy spy or terrorist or something. In fact, the FBI guy who did all this, he used to work for the counterterrorism task force. And they've just trumped this up so much. And they pretend like they don't know where I'm at. They pretend like they don't know where my son is. They pretend like he's not 26 years old and an adult. And it's just, it's been lies from the very beginning. And I went to high school with the district attorney who was on top of all this. It's just, it's insane. The games that they play to pretend that they don't know what's going on. Meanwhile, in all the court documents, they clearly know where I am. They've clearly tried to get me more than once. Mm-hmm. I wonder, Chad, if we could start sort of at the beginning with you briefly outlining your story for us, for anyone that hasn't come across your pages on social media. Who are you and how did, you know, how did it end up like this? 
Okay, this is going to be kind of hard to summarize, but let me try. I used to have a high-level position at Microsoft. I was a very well-known software developer and public speaker. The FBI absolutely destroyed my career. And then I also got sick and I have been unable to get health treatment. So for the last 10 years or so, I've been suffering an extreme pain and a risk of death several times. I've been to our local hospital twice, passed out, and they had to bring me back. And since I'm on an island of 35,000 people, our healthcare is very minimal. But to go back to the beginning, okay, so in 1996, we were living in Tennessee, and my son was born, and that's the only place he's ever lived at the time. He grew up in Tennessee and was school in Tennessee, and we got divorced in Tennessee. 2001, we separated, and I had job opportunities. I was already traveling overseas, so I went overseas, and the divorce was finalized in 2002. And I knew at the time the courts were never going to send him to me overseas, and I was traveling a lot, and he was 40 years old. So... I figured, okay, I'll leave him with his mother and he can stay near his friends and the school he's in and that kind of stuff. And then I was supposed to have visitation rights when I came to the U.S. and she would always interfere. I would fly to the U.S. and magically they wouldn't be home or some other stuff. And then in 2004, she basically just disappeared. Didn't tell the court where she was going. Nothing. So we had to find her. The court gave me temporary custody and well, gave me custody back me. Moved back to Tennessee from overseas about four months, and he lived with us, went to school in Tennessee, and then the courts gave him back to her again, but told her, said, listen, if you do this again or do anything else like this, I'm transferring custody to the father, and he's going to go live overseas, and I don't care what you say. And so he was supposed to come for summer visitation, because that was one of the things that happened in that March 2005, was a judge said, well, since you kidnapped him, the child's going overseas. The father's not going to have to come over here anymore, and you can send him overseas for the summer. So the summer visitation came, and she wouldn't apply for his passport, and there's a whole ruckus and everything. And long story short, he wasn't on the plane to come visit me. So had to go to court again, went back to court and the court told her, listen, we told you it was going to happen. So they transferred custody to me and he came to live overseas with me. Uh, They transferred custody to me in August, 2005. So he came overseas to live with me in Europe. And then 2006 came, it was time for her summer visitation. So I sent him back to her to visit her in the summer in the United States. And at the end of the summer, She filed a bunch of stuff with the court and said, oh, Pennsylvania is, sorry, Europe's not safe. And she had moved out of Tennessee by this point. She moved to a different state. And for your UK viewers in the US, all custody law is state by state. It's not a national thing. So if you move from one state to the other, you have to transfer jurisdiction. But Tennessee still had jurisdiction because I had custody of them. And they said they took jurisdiction until he's 18. And even if they hadn't, then the country we were living in at the time of Cyprus would have had jurisdiction because according to the treaties. But she said she didn't want to return him. The judge said, nope. This was a Pennsylvania judge. And he said, you got to return them. The Tennessee order is still valid. This was August 31st, 2006. And so the police had to pick him up again. This was not the first time the police had had to take him away from her. So the police took my son away from her and he ended up on the plane and he flew back to Cyprus and Europe. And everything was good, we thought. And then we found out a few weeks later, the judge basically said that I kidnapped him, which is amazing because the judge is the one that put him on the plane. And this is not the same judge who gave me custody. This was after she moved to Pennsylvania. And so she found a different judge who was friendly and everything. And then she said, I kidnapped him. And I didn't really know anything about any of this. So years later, um, I was traveling and I got arrested in Bulgaria. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, she had been harassing me for a while with with, uh, welfare checks and the embassies and the embassy of Moscow had been in contact with me. The embassy in Cyprus had been in contact with me. Several embassies have been in contact with me like, Where's your son? It's like, he's with me. And they sometimes would even come visit him. Like, okay, he's here. And we thought everything was over. So in Bulgaria, I thought she was just more of her harassment. But no, she had charged me for kidnapping. And the thing is, she had done it 
with the help of an FBI agent who basically they fabricated evidence. They said my son was born in the state of Pennsylvania, which he wasn't. He was born in Tennessee. And that's a big deal because that helps govern jurisdiction as to which courts have jurisdiction over the custody case. My son was born in Tennessee and the court up there said he's born in Pennsylvania. They also said things like they said I'm from a city called Titusville. And this was all over the newspapers, front page headlines, everything. I've never lived in Titusville in my life. That's where my ex-wife moved to. And then they said I kidnapped him November 6, 2006. But the problem is the last time I was in the U.S. was June 2006, and I was only there for a week, and I wasn't even in the state of Pennsylvania. I was in Seattle for Microsoft because I had a job at Microsoft at the time. So, you know, they have their facts are completely wrong, and they did this in what's called a secret grand jury. Basically, they do it behind closed doors. They don't notify the defendant. The defendant has no chance to defend themselves, and the only witness there was my ex-wife. And so Bulgaria, I was put in the Bulgarian prison. I spent three months in and out of Bulgarian prison, found out I had an Interpol red notice for me. And it's an unpublished one, which normally they reserve for spies and terrorists and things. So when I cross the border, it doesn't even say anything like, oh, wanted for custody. It just says international kidnapping. So the guns come out right away. They sent five police officers to my hotel to get me with guns, five of them. And then so we went through the whole extradition procedure and uh, the U.S. lost and they didn't like that. So they appealed. So we ended up going to the highest levels of the Bulgarian court for a panel of three judges at the highest level. And they said, no, extradition denied. But then they were trying to get me so I couldn't come back home to the Caribbean. But with the help of a former FBI agent who had been retired, who saw the situation and some Bulgarian federal officials, I was able to return and make it back to the Caribbean without them catching me again. And that was a few hours before the end of 2009, just before midnight is when I finally arrived. And I've been stuck here in the Caribbean since 2009, and I'm in desperate need of life-saving health care, which is not available on my island. They have tried to get me out of here multiple times. When I was in prison in Bulgaria, they sent an embassy, a regional security officer from the embassy in Barbados to here to try and kidnap my son while I was in Bulgarian prison. And they got caught. And so that ended up in a diplomatic incident and people were expelled from the country. And then after that failed, my ex-wife showed up in St. Kitts here in the Caribbean. And the thing is, she owed me child support. So the state of Tennessee had revoked her, her passport, but somehow the FBI got it back for her. They paid for her flight. They paid for her hotel. They paid for a lawyer. They gave her a phone and they sent her down here to try and capture him in the court. Well, she lost in court here, too, because I had custody. And the thing is, she hadn't seen her son in a little while because she had you know, disappeared several times and we had no contact for her till that point. She disconnected her phone in January 2007, and we had no contact info for her until she showed up here until 2009 when I was in Bulgarian prison. And the thing is, you'd think if you're a mother and you hadn't seen your son in a couple of years, and she had done this because we had no contact with her, she had our contact information, she just chose not to contact us so she could pretend he was kidnapped, although she was the one who kidnapped him twice before. And so mm-hmm. she showed up here, and she they granted her visitation as long as she was here until he was 18. So basically I said, listen, you don't have custody, but as long as you're here in the Caribbean, you can have visitation with your son every other day from nine to five. And you would expect that she would have visited with him a lot. No, she visited him with him twice, went to the court and the court said, no, you don't have custody. You can't take him home. And so what did she do? She had an open ticket. She could have stayed here. She's not remarried. She has no job. She has no other kids. She had nothing to rush back to except her cats. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being factually honest here. And so mm-hmm. she could have stayed here. And the day after she lost, she changed her ticket and then went home and never visited him again and only rarely contacted him. In fact, she sent a few letters in 2010. Uh, I made sure that my son kept in touch with her mother, his, per- his maternal grandmother. He kept in touch with a couple of her brothers and things like that. 
but we had no contact information for her other than letters and he didn't want to write her. So we communicated with her mom and her brothers and things. And then she didn't send a single letter after 2010. And then in 2021, when we got the state case to dismiss their charges, she sent a letter down here saying, oh, I didn't know where you were to the same address that she sent in 2010. You know, so she keeps pretending like she doesn't know where he is, but she doesn't bother to communicate with him. And he's 26 years old now. And mm-hmm. she's been asked to drop this and she won't. And now it's at the federal level. And this is where the DA I went to high school with. We filed petitions to get this dismissed, you know, based on things like my son was not born in the state of Pennsylvania. That's kind of a big deal. It's like saying that somebody's born in Germany when they're actually born in the UK. They're completely different places. Yeah. And that is a huge material factual error. And that's not even the only one they've made. That's just probably the grossest one. And the DA refuses to dismiss it. He's aware that I'm slowly dying in massive pain down here and he doesn't care. He took in his latest filing, which is from May of this year in response to our March filing, he said, now you'd think the FBI could afford a doctor, right? You would send them my medical report and the DA has a copy of my medical report. And my medical report clearly says that I need to be air evacuated immediately. And I should have been air evacuated years ago. And I'm at risk of, you know, basically death anytime. It could be six days, could be six years, but I have serious medical problems. And Mm -hmm. the DA Googled, and this is actually in a court filing. He says, well, I Googled your case. He took one word on my medical filing, and it's not serious. I've determined that people can live with one kidney. Yeah, people can live with one kidney, but first of all, I got problems with both my kidneys. It's just that one is worse. And the second problem is, even if one dies, you just don't leave it there. It just doesn't like you know fall out yeah. you know, on its own. You need to have that treated. And that is well beyond the capability of our small hospital on the island here. And so he's basically, him and the FBI agent who did this, they're basically in cover-up mode because they know this will destroy their careers. And they know they can't extradite me out of here. He pretends like they can't get me or I'm hiding. In fact, in that May filing, he keeps saying that I've been hiding out in the Caribbean for 13 years, but they failed to extradite me. The courts here have turned them down, both here and in Bulgaria. And he calls that hiding out because I followed my proper rights under the laws of multiple countries. And he's been turned down in multiple countries, but he calls that hiding and evading the uh, reach of the American justice system. I know that as well, Chad, you've sort of proven your whereabouts and you have, you know, a stack load of evidence of your whereabouts, as you said, where, you know, where your son was born. And it seems like no one is listening. And this case is just getting dismissed, which is so heartbreaking. And it's even more so when you sort of take into account your your declining health as well and how serious this situation really is you know you, you've already said you, you've 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 dealt with this for a number of years now but you time time is limited for you and and I think that's why it's so heartbreaking that you have been trapped essentially in this situation I want to just sort of ask you or sort of reiterate I think you, you mentioned this um before but how long has it been now that you've been wanted by the FBI and Interpol? Well, they accused me of kidnapping him on November 6, 2006, which is a day that neither I or him was even in the U.S. And that was only two months after the judge ordered the police to put him back on a plane to return to Europe. So when I'm talking about things, I always reference that date. So I say almost 16 years. But they didn't do it at the federal level until May, either May or March, I believe May 2009 in a closed door hearing. So I guess officially the FBI didn't officially have me on their wanted list or an Interpol until about May 2009. But they state that he's been missing since November 6, 2006. So if he was missing and kidnapped, why'd they take three years to get bothered about it? That's the other thing that, you know, is just such a, a shame about all this. And 
They listed him as missing. They put his poster up with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in April 2008. So we knew in April 2008, when we found that out, something was happening, but we didn't know exactly what. And we certainly didn't expect her to, you know, charge him with kidnapping. Because in 2000 and um, I think it was 2007, she had called the Pennsylvania police and said that I came into her house and kidnapped him, which was, you know, obviously not the case because I wasn't in the United States. And the Pennsylvania police, she didn't give me any contact why it was overseas. So the Pennsylvania police contacted my mother who lives in Pennsylvania. And my mom is blind in a wheelchair. And so she called me and she's like, yeah, the police were just here. And uh, they say you just went into her house and uh, kidnapped him, which is pretty funny because I know neither of you is even in the country. But here's a police officer's name and number. So um, sorry, he didn't show up. He called my mom. This, the FBI was the one that showed up and harassed my mom. But the stayed up police officer had called my mom. And so... I called, uh, he left a number. And so I called and I talked to the, the officer and I explained the situation and I told him I have custody and she's been accusing me of all this stuff. And I said, I'm not even in the country. So there's no way that I could have come into the house and taken him out. And I said, you can check whatever you want. I'll send you other documents, but I haven't even been in the country for, you know, almost two years, uh, well over a year at this point. And he said, okay, I, I get the deal. I know what's going on here now. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to pretend like she never filed this report. And I said, listen, she's been harassing me with all these lies. I said, can't you do something? Can you at least, you know, charge her with filing a false kidnapping report? And the officer said, no, she's just a distraught mother. It's best just to leave her alone. She's just emotional. And I really thought at that point, okay, it's kind of, you know, it's just done. But then, you know, she just kept pushing and finding people and to cry to. And, you know, the fact that she convinced a judge that he was born in Pennsylvania is really amazing because, you know, he, he never even lived in Pennsylvania except for the summer visitation he went with her and the one time she kidnapped him there for two months. Oh, it's, it's, such a, it's such a complicated and intricate case. I can imagine, Chad, you were just so drained by all of this, dealing with this for so many years. And I can imagine it, it's, of course, affected your son as well. Did you say he's 26 now? Yeah, he's 26 now. And it certainly affected him because he was listed. You could go on the Internet and find him until about three weeks ago. And the thing is, they had him listed on the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, you know, the milk carton people, and they have a website and they do all the Amber Alerts and that kind of stuff. And even as far back as 2008, when they first listed him, we had lawyers, and I have copies of all these letters, telling them he's not missing. This is his mother lying. The embassy knows where he is. The embassy has called. They visited him. They know where the child is. And they said, no, we can't take it down unless there's a court order. And we'd, we'd been in contact with them 2008, 2012, 2010. 2020, 2021, and they just never would remove him. And then I got on TikTok and I did a stitch against one of their TikToks where they were saying, it's National Missing Children Day, post a poster of someone who's missing. So I posted my son and I said, but he's not missing. You're all lying and blah, blah, blah and stuff. And I had a TikTok that reached a million views in 24 hours. And I had another one that reached 4.1 million views. And within hours, his poster disappeared off, off their website. So uh, they're saying all these years, they couldn't remove him. Even though he was 26 years old, they said they could not remove him. He was an adult and he had done TV interviews in 2000 in 2021. He went on TV in Erie, Pennsylvania on the TV, did news interviews. And he's like, Hey, I'm not missing. They say I'm missing. Here's my poster. I'm not missing. The whole world knows right now. I'm not missing. They still kept him listed, but until I did a TikTok with over a million views and then like, Oh my gosh, well, what are we going to do? And he just disappeared. So he was listed as missing until he's 26 and the whole time. And they knew he was here in the Caribbean. But his missing poster said that they are believed to be in Cyprus or Bahrain, even though they knew exactly where he was the whole time. Continuing the conversation on Proverbs after this short break.
I wanted to take a moment to talk about a new brand that I've been loving at the minute. And that brand is Ana Luisa Jewelry. Now their pieces are all unique. They make you feel empowered and they serve as a perfect addition to any outfit, whether you're dressing up or down. They offer high quality at affordable prices and are carbon neutral from packaging to product, which we know is super important. Anyone that knows me knows that I love an accessory. I think jewelry is a great way to express yourself and to experiment with fashion as well and of course it is a great sentimental gift for a loved one too they are giving proverbs listeners 40% off when you buy another product on their website just go to shop.analuisa.com forward slash daisy or click the link in the description for a discount now if you know me you will know i am not a big fan of new year's resolutions for me the pressure of starting something new in january has seen me fail over and over again what I like to do instead is I like to give myself a little bit of time to settle into the year so I can actually figure out what goals I actually want to achieve. Now, one of my biggest goals this year is to be able to confidently speak in a new language. And this is something that I have been trialing and failing at and also working at for a really, really long time. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think about what you're wanting to achieve. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? Now, if you are like me and one of your goals is to learn a new language, you absolutely need to get Babbel. And I'm so excited to chat to you about this. Now, in just a few weeks of using Babbel, I have progressed my language skills in ways that I have never done before. And I've been using Babbel's 10 minute lessons, which are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. What I love the most about Babbel is that it's designed by real people for real conversations. And I think this is something where I've gone wrong before. I have been learning French on and off since I was nine years old. That is over a decade and a half now. Yet I still didn't feel confident in my communication. I was learning through textbooks, but I was actually lacking that human connection in my vocabulary. Babbel's courses have helped me to learn real life conversation skills, to speak confidently and clearly in a way that locals will understand as Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent too. It's enabled me to be able to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants, all without ever having to consult my language at whilst on vacation. Now, studies from Yale, Michigan State University and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, I actually have a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, you can get up to 60% off of your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com forward slash proverbs. Now, you can get 60% off at babbel.com slash proverbs, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash proverbs. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It must also be so frustrating and difficult to sort of walk around with essentially what is like a target on your back because the public perception, the public image that's sort of been put out of you is is very, very different to, you know, the the story and, and the way that this has all gone down. I wanna I wanna just ask you about your health again, Chad. Um what what is it that you know, what what is your day to day like? What are sort of your your struggles? And I know you said, you know, you've you've got issues with your kidneys and how is that affecting your day to day and your quality of life? Well, I've left the house five times in the last year. They were extremely painful outings. They were extremely short outings. And those were rare days where I could actually go outside. I rarely even leave the bedroom. I rarely leave the house. I don't even get to my porch because it's, it's hot outside. And I'm just in horrible pain. A lot of times I'm in so much pain that I can't even talk because my jaw locks up. Mm-hmm. The last few months have been a little bit better. I passed a kidney stone that was about seven millimeters in diameter on my own, which wow. is way larger than a kidney stone. You know, you can get killed by ones that are way smaller than that. Yeah. And I passed it on my own and I've passed several others that are three and four millimeters. That's just, you know, a Tuesday for me. Sometimes I often pass hundreds of stones per month. We don't exactly know what the problem is because even diagnostic equipment here is very limited. It's possible. Yeah. I have a disease called MSK, but until I can get off the Island and get treated, we don't know. But if I can get off the Island, even Antigua has the, the first level of equipment I need. So I need to get to Antigua and get some basic procedures. And after that, I probably, uh, my kidneys will probably survive if I can get them treated before they completely fail. Um, I have one of my kidneys had lost about half of its kidney function. That was like seven or eight years ago. And in 2015, we had a surgeon fly in to do an operation on me to remove an inch and a quarter kidney stone, but they don't have the other equipment I need is, is too big. It's like the size of an x-ray machine. You just can't travel with it. And so I need that urgently. But basically, I don't leave the house. I've been out of work for over 10 years. They destroyed my career at Microsoft. And I had a high-level position at Microsoft. It wasn't some entry-level position. I had a territory of 85 countries. I had a huge travel budget. and It was a senior position at Microsoft. And all my other peers at Microsoft now are basically, you know, at the highest levels. And I would have been too. They just completely destroyed my career through slander. Now, as far as me walking around my target on a back, well, first of all, here... It's like a small village. There's only 35,000 people on the island. So everybody knows everybody. And I can't leave yeah. the house because I'm too sick. But when I go out, it's not a problem because we've been headline news here several times. Mm-hmm. The whole country knows. And basically, I didn't. I just talked about it. I did news interviews here when they tried to slander me. They tried to put me in the headlines here like, oh, international felon hiding out in St. Kitts. But then I went and did news interviews here. And plus, everybody already knew me because I had... I had done a lot of volunteer work. I had worked in some businesses here. I was well known here and people sided with me. So I don't really have a target on my back here because the courts have turned the U.S. government down. The government has denied extradition here. The U.S. already tried to kidnap my son illegally here. And the government here has basically told the United States government when it comes to Mr. Hauer, don't bother us because you lied to us. You wasted a lot of our time. And we frankly have bigger things to deal with than your garbage. So if I was healthy, and when I was a little bit healthier, I can go anywhere here. Nobody's going to bother me and everybody knows the story. So it could do another headline news. And other than causing a lot of disruption for my kids who are still under 18 and my wife and stuff, no one's going to bother me here. It's not a yeah. problem. It's, I mean, it's so open. Everybody knows it here. Everybody. Yeah. 
What would you say, Chad, to anyone that is sort of saying, we'll, we'll fly back to the US and, and deal with the situation? What are your fears or what is preventing you from doing that? Well, a couple of things. One is my medical condition is so dire that I need a medical, I need an air ambulance. So I can't just get on a plane and go to Florida. It's about 15. Uh, well, to Florida, it's like a uh, kilometer. Hold on, I think um, Florida, it's like 2,500 kilometers to Florida. Okay. Antigua is like 100 kilometers away. I can make it to Antigua in an air ambulance. I could probably make it to Antigua. I can't fly commercial, but I could charter a plane. It's not that expensive to fly, you know, 100 kilometers. So I can get to Antigua for healthcare. But in the petition, we've asked the U.S. government to either let me fly to Antigua or uh, provide a medical air ambulance back to me to the States and set a trial date. And they've said no. So they've said, no, you can't travel to Antigua. And we're not going to pay for an air ambulance till you come to the U.S. And the thing is, even if I went in an air ambulance, flying that distance in an air ambulance could endanger my life. It's actually so bad. And my medical report says it. It says he needs to go to the closest hospital, not 2,500 kilometers in an air ambulance. He needs to go 100 kilometers. And they said, no, we won't pay for it. But the thing is, if they tried to extradite me again down here, which would fail, but let's assume they tried to extradite me and I, I surrendered. I said, OK, I'll give myself up. He says he doesn't want to pay for an air ambulance. But under the extradition treaties, they would have to pay for it if they were going to extradite me. But now that I, you know. Even if we have offered, I've offered to give myself up if they'll pay for an ambulance and they'll set a trial date. They've said, no. They said, we can't set a trial date. You're not special. We can't set a trial date until you are in our custody in the United States. And then the problem is trials in the U.S. take, usually you sit in prison two to three years awaiting a trial. I posted a TikTok where there was a guy in a nearby area to where they want me for who sat in prison for eight years waiting for a trial on lesser charges than they want me for. So what they do is they get you into prison and with COVID, it's backed up. They've already told us this. So I could sit in prison for three to five years. And I know somebody personally, they did this too, too. They held them for two years. At the end of the two years, they said, you know, we actually don't have any evidence, but you can go ahead and go home now because you've been in prison for two years. They get you in prison and they try and get you to plea bargain. They come to you and you're like, well, a trial is going to be like three years. You don't want to sit in prison, do you? So if you plea bargain, then we'll let you out now. But then all of a sudden I have a felony on my record. And then I'm on probation. I can't leave the United States. My wife is not a U.S. citizen. She doesn't want to live in the U.S. We have no place to live in the U.S. I haven't lived in the U.S. since basically early 2001. And that was the house that I gave to my ex-wife. So I got no place to live. And they'll stick me on probation. And even if I'm out of prison, I'll be stuck in the U.S. for another two or three years before I can leave. And I didn't do any of this. So they're just not offering anything. And the reason they're not offering to set a trial date, the reason they're not offering this is they know that I'm not guilty and they want to cover their career. It's that simple. They want to cover their careers. Some of them are still climbing up. This DA I went to high school with, he's certainly looking to get a promotion or become a judge or something. And can you imagine he becomes a judge over my case? I'd never get out of this. We've been trying for years to get this in the courts. And every time we would file, the courts would say things like, well, you're in contempt of court, so we can't listen to anything from you. And when we filed the dismissal again this year, the DA actually responded to the judge and he says, well, according to federal law, He's already been indicted in a secret closed door federal grand jury, and you have to accept everything is true until disproven. And the only way to disprove it is come to trial. But we won't set a trial date, so he's supposed to sit in prison for several years. It's, it's a complete cover-up. It's just insane. And people who say, oh, the FBI wouldn't do that, then I want people to go and search FBI U.S. Women's Olympic Team. Because right now, the U.S. Women's Olympic Team is suing the FBI for $1 billion dollars. Because of something, they were, they'd had congressional testimony last year about how the FBI goofed up the sexual assault charges against one of the doctors and allowed more women to be raped and sexually molested because the FBI basically were trying to cover things up. And this was congressional testimony. It's all been proven. And now they're suing the FBI for a billion dollars. So the FBI does stuff like this all the time. If they will do that to the U.S. Women's Olympic team, they will certainly do this to me. Chad, you started sharing your, your story and your experiences on social media. 
what was your reaction to the responses that you've received? Because I know you've got a number of followers as well. You've got dedicated fans that are, you know, not only dedicated to hearing your story, but also dedicated to giving you some sort of justice. Were you surprised at how many people have been so drawn to your case? Not really. I'm just surprised it took me so long because I've been trying for years. I used I tried on Facebook, tried some other avenues and just couldn't get it. And then I could not have done this on TikTok in previous years, but TikTok after COVID hit, TikTok had a major evolution and TikTok follows users and it's not dancing kids anymore. So yeah. there's no way I could have done this on TikTok before at least 2021. But last year I started experimenting with TikTok and I started making it and I knew the support would be there because I've been trying for over 10 years on Facebook and I had support on Facebook. It's just, it was not, I wasn't going viral. I wasn't spreading it. It was just the same core of people who were helping me. And I, I wasn't expanding. And it wasn't until I went on to TikTok and I spent so many years in bed too. I mean, there were, there was a whole year where I could, I, I, I struggled to talk, let alone, you know, I can't type because typing is very painful for me and it's very difficult and my hands shake so bad. Well, TikTok allows me to do videos and even video replies. So I just kind of worked TikTok and I went in there and there's days I can't even do TikToks. My earliest TikToks, in fact, I couldn't talk. And I had signs written in crayon by my daughter and I was just holding them up and people were reading signs. That's how crazy this was. And I always knew the support would be there because I know all the facts are on my side. It was just a matter of getting to the right people. So I've had very few trolls. And the thing is, TikTok, you know, half my followers are kids under 20, which is cool. I got no problem with that. Okay. And a lot of them are helping as well. And, but some of them, you know, are immature and act as trolls. But the thing is, in almost every case, we've converted almost every troll over to our side because sometimes they just don't look at a few videos and I'm polite with the trolls and sometimes I mock them a bit. And so I'll, you know, sometimes I even put a picture of Barney up and I do the filter where it's just my eyes and I do googly eyes and I talk back to them like they're four years old or something. But I've yeah. converted almost every troll over to our side. And that really says something when you get a following that big and the trolls are on your side. I went from 740 followers on TikTok to 40,000 followers in one week. Wow. Wow. That is the power of social media right there as well, Chad. What are your hopes for the future now? Well, our goals right now are we know that if we get some very large national and international coverage, that it'll embarrass the DA very badly. And yeah. the DA can sign off on this. He could he could just wake up one day and be like, you know what? I'm having a good day. I'm going to be nice. And he could sign off on my case in five minutes. And then from there, all he's got to do is schedule a thing with the judge, which might take a few days if he pushed it. And he could just tell the judge, because he doesn't even be hearing, he just go before, he's, he's got to get permission from his boss, but he'll get it. If he says, listen, there's an old case, I don't want it, he can dismiss it. His boss will approve, he'll take it before the judge, he'll sign off on it. And then it might take a few weeks for it to get into the system for me to get cleared off Interpol and stuff, but he could dismiss this in five minutes initially. And then it would take a few weeks at most to get me clear. And then I can travel to a nearby island and, you know, get the emergency, the, emergency procedure I need and then get the rest of my health checked up. Cause I haven't even been to the dentist in four years. Cause I can't leave the house basically. Yeah. So I got a bunch of other smaller issues, but we don't even know where they are. And that's the best Avenue. And I know that if we get good national international coverage, if we embarrass him and expose him, he will drop this like a hot potato. 8% mm -hmm. of all federal cases are dismissed outright. And of any case could be dismissed. It's this one. And the only reason he won't is he's trying to, he's made so many mistakes. He just wants to cover this up.
it that's what's I think so hard to come to terms with as well and so hard to sort of wrap your head around to Chad is your life and, and it is you know it is literally your life at this point because of your decline in health is literally in the hands of one man and it's it's his decision alone that you know can can make or break this and, and that's what's so heartbreaking and Thank we went to high so school much. together it's it's unbelievable and I I am really hopeful that you know things will things will work out I think can, can keep sharing your story as I said don't be silenced by what has been put out there um the power of social media is unbelievable um and we will do all we can as well to continue spreading your your story and raising awareness thank you so much for chatting with us today Chad I really appreciate your time we wish you the best of luck and take care of yourself as well Thank you. And if anybody else, you can share it with anybody else. That's what we need. It's a hard story to believe, but it's true. And I have all the documentation. And that concludes this episode of Proverbs with Daisy Maskell. That is me. I hope you enjoyed it. Hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And I will see you soon. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.